What a day indeed for world politics today. I'm sure everyone is gazing at their television screens on the African continent and watching the CNNs of this world and standing in awe and saying, really, could it be Donald Trump, who is the new president-elect of the USA? And uh, very much surprising indeed for the world, I'm sure, because everyone had this suspicion or this thought that uh, Hillary Clinton would be the new president of the country. Well, that's what we're going to be discussing today. What does this mean for the continent of Africa? What does it mean for world politics? And uh, that's what we'll be talking about today on African Dialogue. But before we get into that, I've got Amanda Machaka. I remember today Amanda Machaka is going to give us our news. Top stories, Donald Trump becomes the 45th U.S. president after a stunning victory over Democrat Hillary Clinton. 36 miners killed in northern Nigeria and armed militia suspected of belonging to Mozambique's opposition Renamo Ateke train in northern province of Nampula. Good morning. Donald Trump will become the 45th U.S. president after a stunning victory over Democrat Hillary Clinton. The Republican nominee's projected victory comes down to a handful of key swing states, despite months of polling that favored Clinton. The battlegrounds of Florida, Ohio, and North Carolina cleared the way for Trump's Brexit-style upset. Trump's projected victory in Wisconsin put him over the 270 out of 538 electoral college votes needed to win the White House. The U.S. president-elect took to the stage at his victory rally in New York. Ours was not a campaign, but rather an incredible and great movement made up of millions of hardworking men and women who love their country and want a better, brighter future for themselves and for their family. Working together, we will begin the urgent task of rebuilding our nation and renewing the American dream. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Every single American will have the opportunity to realize his or her fullest potential. The forgotten men and women of our country will be forgotten no longer. 36 miners have been killed in northern Nigeria by gunmen believed to be cattle rustlers. Motorcycle riding gunmen suspected to be cattle thieves invaded a gold mine late Monday outside Bindon village in northern Zamfara state, shooting dead miners and gold merchants. Many local headers tend to mining to boost their income. Armed militia suspected of belonging to Mozambique's opposition Renamo party have attacked a train in the northern province of Nampula. No injuries were reported. The train was traveling to Nakala Avila. Police say the gunmen fired three shots at the train. Renamo has over the past months been pressing the government to implement provincial devolution in central and northern provinces. Lesotho's Prime Minister Pakadita Masisidi has sacked four ministers and moved his deputy Munyane Mulelegi from the key post of police ministry to the Prime Minister's office. Mulelegi is reported to be in talks with the opposition. Meanwhile, telecommunications operators in the country say the regulator has requested their position on the contemporary closure of Facebook and Twitter following widespread speculation that the government wanted to shut down social media. Takwana Ngatano reports.
Infighting in the biggest coalition government partner, Democratic Congress, is spreading into the executive. Deputy Leader Munyane Muleleki is reported to be in talks with exiled opposition leader Tom Tabani to oust Musisidi. Now he has been moved from the Ministry of Police. Four ministers believed to be from his faction have been fired. New ministers believed to be supporting Musisidi have been moved to key ministries or newly appointed to replace those fired. Meanwhile, white spread talk that the government wants to shut down social media has seen telecoms operators issuing statements to explain that they have not yet been ordered to do so but instead to show their position on the issue. And finally, South Africa's former public protector Tulima Donzela says she made the decision to make public recordings of her interview with President Jacob Zuma on the state capture allegations before she left office. She says this was not to try and prove that the state had been captured, but rather to prove that she did give the president a chance to respond to the allegations. Madonzela says at that time Zuma had already told the nation that as the public protector she treated him unfairly by not affording him the opportunity to respond to the allegations around state capture. Recapping your top stories, Donald Trump becomes the 45th U.S. president after a stunning victory over Democrat Hillary Clinton. 36 minors killed in northern Nigeria and armed militia suspected of belonging to Mozambique's opposition Renamo attack a train in northern province of Nampula. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. And uh, you joining us uh, on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. That's if you're listening to us uh, on uh, uh, DS. No, no, no. That's on our shortwave service. That's on the 31 meter band to Southern Africa. On DSTV, uh, we're on channel 802 on the audio bouquet. I think uh, it's almost the end of the year and so much has happened this year and my mind is getting fatigued. I'm always doing these wrong things on air but hey let's look at the topic of today donald trump is the new president of the usa can you believe it i i was telling people it would happen no one believed me i had a bet with uh, one of our executive producers and our producer and they both were like no way it's never gonna happen and i'm so happy that i've won two bets today they owe me uh somewhere a chilled session of uh, beer for me to just uh, take in my uh my, my my prediction and you know i got it right now Donald Trump becomes the 45th president of the United States of the USA following a bruising, divisive, and most robust American election ever. Now, let's listen to the now president-elect Donald Trump giving his uh, victory speech. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. 
Sorry to keep you waiting. Complicated business. Complicated. Thank you very much. I've just received a call from Secretary Clinton. He congratulated us, it's about us, on our victory. And I congratulated her and her family on a very, very hard-fought campaign. To all Republicans and Democrats and independents across this nation, I say it is time for us to come together as one united people. I pledge to every citizen of our land that I will be president for all Americans, and this is so important to me. It's a movement comprised of Americans from all races, religions, backgrounds, and beliefs who want and expect our government to serve the people and serve the people it will. Working together, we will begin the urgent task of rebuilding our nation and renewing the American dream. We have a great economic plan. We will double our growth and have the strongest economy anywhere in the world. At the same time, we will get along with all other nations willing to get along with us. We will be. We'll have great relationships. We expect to have great, great relationships. No dream is too big. No challenge is too great. Nothing we want for our future is beyond our reach. America will no longer settle for anything less than the best. We must reclaim our country's destiny and dream big and bold and daring. We have to do that. We're going to dream of things for our country and beautiful things and successful things once again. I want to tell the world community that while we will always put America's interests first, we will deal fairly with everyone, with everyone. All people and other nations. We will seek common ground, not hostility, partnership, not conflict. It was an amazing evening. It's been an amazing two-year period. And I love this country. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, that is a very different tone coming from Donald Trump. He's been known for his rhetoric that's very abrasive and right there in your face. And it's interesting to see how he's actually projecting himself this time around. But let's discuss this with our guests today. We've got Professor John Stramlau, who's joining us on the line. He's from the Department of International Relations at Wits University. We've got Chelsea Makovic, who's joining us in our studios. She's a researcher in the economy diplomacy program at the South African Institute of International Affairs. I also have an investment analyst at APSA Wealth and Investment Management, uh, Christopher Gilmore, who's also joining us on the line. Chelsea, I have to start this conversation with you in our studios and say, did you see this coming? And uh, I did. I predicted it. And uh, I don't know about you because I thought, you know, the politics of 
the USA are very fragmented. They're very uh, kind of insular at times. And we've seen this insular approach that's been taken by Donald Trump. And from the beginning, I was like, this is the way to go if anyone wants to win a presidential election after Obama, who's been very much focused in international relations and that kind of approach. And we saw this uh, strategy by Donald Trump actually making a way for him to the point where he is right now. Well, what you say is true, but um, I, I guess I relied too much on the polls, as a lot of people did, because in the U.S. there's never been such a big polling discrepancy. Um, I think they had Hillary at mostly at four, four points, yeah, I think, yeah, 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 even the day before the election, so no one really could have expected it in that regard. But I guess if we look at Brexit, for example, the polls were also saying the same thing, so... I definitely didn't expect it, but I think it speaks to a couple things um, that perhaps we could have predicted a bit better, which is the low African-American turnout. People were really disenchanted with both candidates, and also in terms of young millennials, those Mm. who were formerly Bernie Sanders supporters, a lot of these people didn't vote. And then a lot stronger turnout, a lot of working class and rural voters who really identified with Trump. So all of these things, I think, led to such a big upset. And also, in terms of uh, the space that Hillary found himself in, it, it seemed when you looked at the very ob- subjective view of the USA media that there was a championing of Hillary Clinton. What do you think that she got wrong at this time around? Was it the email saga that finally got to her because it did actually come again out into the public domain just before uh, the voting well, I think it's a couple of things. One sure. of the things is the what I'd call populist sentiment in the U.S. There are a lot of um, disenfranchised and frustrated people um, given the economic downturn, and Trump has given them essentially some groups or people to blame for this, and they've really latched onto this. So I think that is a part of it. And also I think in terms of the way that people view Hillary, there's also this resentment towards establishment politics, Mm. and people embody her as exactly that. So I think all the scandals that she's been in that you're speaking about just add fuel to that fire. So Mm. there really is a divide in that sense. Mm. Let me move on to uh, Professor John Stremlau, who is uh, joining us uh, from uh, Wits University. He's uh, part of the Department of International Relations there. Professor Tremlau, did you also see this coming? What are your thoughts of how this also just changes the dynamics of international relations and international politics? Well, those are very good questions, and the short answer is I'm eating humble pie today because <laughs> I, like so many of the, of the forecasters, assumed that the Obama coalition would hold. What I did not expect is that a number of people who voted for Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 seem to have gone for Donald Trump in the name of getting some change, did articulate, better or for worse, uh, issues that seem to resonate with a segment of the American public that is, as your previous speaker suggested, alienated and, uh, and unhappy. My, my problem with a vote like this is that it begs the question of whether Trump can deliver any of these promises in light of the complexity of the world and the complexity of U.S. governance. He's had no experience in this. And that talks to your question about what the implications are for Africa and for South Africa in particular. And they're very hard to forecast so, because so. he is a slate. I mean, he's had no prior government experience. There's never been a head of state in the United States of comparable inexperience. Mm. So, so, and, 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 and so free with, with, with words that, that beg the truth. And, and how he uh, responded to the election by giving 
participatory speech should be encouraging, except we have to lay that against all the words uttered that were not true in the course of the campaign in a way of exciting, a passionate following that still is only a bare majority of the American people. And the country is badly divided between rural and urban areas, between white and non-white, between young and old, and uh, college-educated and non-college educated. How he mm. pulls this together, I don't think anybody can do, but we'll have to wait and see. Meanwhile, the U.S. role in the world is clearly going to be eclipsed. Mm. Let me bring it to you, Christopher Glenn Gilmore. The fact that the world economy has been watching this, I'm sure every stock exchange in every city in the world has been gazing at this moment. What has been the response from uh, countries, developing countries such as South Africa to the election of Donald Trump? Has it been positive? Has it been negative? As far good morning, sorry. As far as our market is concerned, uh, it came off rapidly this morning uh, as it became clear that uh, Donald Trump was going to become president. But it's, it's rebounded significantly, and it's quite a bit higher than it was at the opening now. And the same goes for the rand. You know, the rand went up to what about fourteen sixty? It's back to about thirteen forty now. I think what may be uh, crystallizing in the minds of people now sure. is that uh, what uh, what Trump has said in public in his run up to the election. Uh, the, a lot of this very, very obnoxious rhetoric uh, may well not uh, <laughs> materialize uh, when, it come, when push comes to shove. You know, I, I don't think anyone really took him seriously when uh, he said we're going to build a wall and the Mexicans are going to pay for it. I mean, I think that's a lot of absolute rubbish. Um, uh, the one big area, and I think you, the, the, the prof uh, touched on this, is foreign policy, because that is uncharted territory. We sure. really have no idea what is going to happen there. Look, I, I do take encouragement from what happened with Ronald Reagan. Uh, I mean, Reagan, yes, he was governor of California for quite a long time, but other than that, he had no real um, uh, federal uh, political experience when he came in. And I think regardless of, of, of what you think of, of, of Reagan, in terms of his track record, it was one of the mm. best the world has ever seen. And he, he was also one of the laziest presidents the, the world has ever seen because he used to go and sleep in the afternoon. But, you know, his ability to delegate and to get good people in his cabinet uh, was was probably unsurpassed. And I think if Trump uh, can take um, uh, a leaf out of Ronald Reagan's book, then I think he'll do extremely well. Let me come back to you, Chelsea, in our studio in terms of the fact that uh, because there was a vagueness when it came to international diplomatic relations, when it came to how uh, uh, Donald Trump kind of approached his uh, term, um, is it going to be difficult for the international community to interact with him because he has been so much focused in t- in, into internal governance within um within the USA, speaking about creating jobs. Very much that has been his main focus about internal politics, the immigration laws. That has been his tactic all along. Will the international community have a a, a kind of a difficult time interacting with him? I think in a way, yes, but a lot of what he was doing during the campaign was playing to the sentiments of the country. So I think a lot of these views and statements that he said you'll definitely see softening. He's definitely going to be much more isolationist than Hillary would be. But for example, with China and and all that he said about China, Mm. I mean, in terms of our relationship (laughs) in the U.S. with China, he's not going to be able to have these sorts of tariffs that he talks about. So I think what he's going to have to do with China and Mexico and these countries that he's made these statements about mm. is kind of think of a way to put some, I'd say, less um, less harmful things in place to kind of 
pose it as a victory, but I don't think he's actually, in fact, going to be able to do anything major in, mm. in that regard. Mm. Professor, your thoughts there on uh, that idea of international relations? Will we see a, a different Donald Trump than the one who said, I'm going to focus on America? He has no choice now. He's the president of the USA. He has to interact with the rest of the world. Professor Stremlau? Yes, Professor Stremlau, that's for you. Excuse me? That's for Professor uh, John Stremlau. If the question was to me on his international relations, I think Chelsea was putting her finger on the lack of experience and what he might or might not do, but it was important to remind ourselves that Ronald Reagan was governor of the state of California, the biggest state in the union, before he became president. So he had some governance experience, knew how to work across parties and to get things done. And Trump has had none of that experience because his basic uh, reputation was made on, on, on building hotels and, and, and running wrestling matches, beauty pageants, where he could be the boss and have his views predominate, as so many of the indications during the campaign suggested. He's very much the decider, not the negotiator, really. Uh, I win, you lose. And how that will work in international relations is a mystery to me. Mm, and, and coming to you, Christopher, is the fact that we know in South Africa we've been speaking in the last few months around the GOA agreement, which is the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, um, which has been renewed to 2025 as well. Uh, so that aims to be a significant relationship, qualifying the relationship between uh, the USA and uh, uh, sub-Saharan African countries. Uh, do you think that uh, we'll see some changes in that front or we'll see it being business as usual? You know, I said to somebody yesterday, when it comes to Africa, um, uh, Africa generally has missed a golden opportunity in the past few years to move from resources to manufacturing. And sure, Goa sure. could have been a pivotal part of that. Um, you know, uh, with the massive decline we've seen in oil and other commodity prices in the past year or so, uh, Africa has become marginalized once again, unfortunately, in the minds of many politicians around the world. And Trump, given the fact that his, his knowledge of Africa is probably zero at best, and uh, it, it will be informed by the kind of um, sensationalist um, stuff that you get on the likes of Sky News and CNN, um, it, it probably doesn't augur well for us, unfortunately. So business as usual, yes, I suppose, uh, to an extent. What is really required now, and I said it yesterday, is a much more proactive approach by the, the American um, uh, authorities here, because they have been hugely eclipsed by China in the past 15, 20 years. And if they, if they want to, if, if they believe that, 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 um, that Africa does have a future, and I strongly believe that it does have a, a great future in manufacturing, but you know what? It's going, to take a, it's going to take a lot of time. And I think if the Americans take a proactive uh, stance towards that, mm-hmm. I think they could be richly rewarded in the long term. But I'm not, I, I'm not sure that uh, Trump is the sort of guy who's going to assimilate that kind of um, suggestion very easily. Mm. Chelsea, you wanted to come in here? On that, so I think in terms of AGOA as it stands, which as you said lasts till 2025, I don't think we're going to see Trump doing anything major as people might be scared of in terms of revoking AGOA. Mm. There, if there is a, a discrepancy or an incident that comes up, there could be a 
something like a chicken dispute, I suppose. But <laughs> I think he's going to be focusing much more on um, the things he said about China and Mexico, for example. Mm. But I think that the bigger issue is the fact that it, since it is expiring in 2025, now is the time that the president is going to have to start new negotiations if we want to, for example, negotiate a free trade agreement between Saku and the U.S. that mm. will come into mm. place after AGOA. And I think in that sense, it's a bit worrying in terms of whether this will even be on the agenda of Trump to get into a new negotiation with an African country. Um, and also, even if it is on the table, the way he's talked about um, renegotiating and negotiating tougher, it would be interesting to see whether some of South Africa's developmental agendas would be able to um, be put on the table and whether a negotiation would actually be completed. There was an attempted negotiation in the early 2000s and it failed because the the U.S. was, um, their template for trade was a bit inflexible in terms mm -hmm. of what South Africa thought. So I think that this could happen again and then this could be worrying for the future after 2025. Mm. Your thoughts there, Professor Stremler, on the issue of the AGOA dynamics and the, the trade relationships between the USA and uh, um, Africa. Are we not actually um, minimizing the worth of Trump as a businessman? Maybe the fact that he does come from a business community and he, he has that kind of boardroom approach to his political ambition could be uh, a thumbs up for Africa. Well, I'm, I'm not sure I got the full question, but I'd like to say that with regard to AGOA, and, and, and Chelsea's a good reminder that 2025 is a way off, bear in mind that, that Donald Trump has to put together a government. He, he, he's run this campaign with a very small coterie of advisors, some of whom I think are really questionable that he'll bring into government, but nevertheless he's going to have to get control over Washington first and foremost, and that's going to preoccupy him. So I would expect him to give very little attention to Africa and and I think that it's incumbent upon um, those who want to see cooperation between Africa and the United States or the rest of the world to get on with their business through other channels of business and, and, uh, and uh, non-governmental organizations and social networking and the like, because uh, the, the, the role that the U.S. will play here is, 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 is bound to be de minimis. Uh, Hillary Clinton had a background in Africa and could have related to the issues that are before us, it does worry me on something as important as climate change, as I've said many times, that mm -hmm. Trump thinks it's a hoax, and so he won't devote any attention to that. And we've got this framework agreement that Obama signed and is going forward that matters a great deal to Africa, mm. and that's not going to be addressed, I don't think, anytime soon, because Trump's got to get control of the U.S. government first and foremost. Well, that also leads me to my next question, and I want to bring it to you, Christopher Gilmore, in terms of the economic front, because it seems like we saw with the Brexit itself, uh, the fact that uh, we saw Britain trying to also kind of internalize its politics, trying to kind of create this economic identity in itself, not only economic, but social and also political. And I think that's what we're seeing in the United States and also in South Africa with the latest elections, with people very much being concerned with the economy, people very much being concerned with the sense of uh, uh, political identity within countries. What does that do for the uh, business landscape when quest uh, questions are being asked by countries about self-identity and you're almost getting this idea where everyone wants to insulate themselves from neighbors and almost like an anti-globalized mentality that we're starting to see, Christopher? 
No, you're quite right. And uh, it's a very, very worrying aspect. I mean, I think if you look at the benefits of globalization over the past 20, 25 years or so, since uh, the globalization has been a feature, uh, you can see the prices have come down without a shadow of a doubt. You've, you've had increased trade and uh, greater isolation, obviously, goes, goes against that. Mm. And I think, you know, you mentioned Brexit. That is going to probably be a catalyst. Within Brexit, you're now going to probably get um, secession of Scotland from the, the UK in 2018 uh, with, with a second uh, referendum. And that, that's going to make the, the situation even worse. Um, although, ironically, of course, Scotland is, is, is a far more, um, it's got a far more wide-reaching view than the little Englanders that uh, voted uh, mm -hmm. for, for Brexit. But that's just an aside. Um, I think if you look at what, what uh, Trump has been uh, pumping in, in America, and particularly in the Rust Belt states, as they're called, this, this idea that somehow America can recapture its former glory uh, in some of these um, big old steel mills in Pennsylvania, places mm -hmm. like that. Well, unfortunately, it's not going to happen. What, ironically, they could be doing is, and uh, if you look at some of the shoe manufacturers in China who have recently relocated to Mexico and producing shoes on a loom at, at very, very low prices, and because they're right beside the U.S., they're able to, to, to push those, those products into the U.S. at very, very favorable prices. Um, you know, there is a company, I've forgotten the name of it, um, in, in Detroit, mm. that a couple of years ago started manufacturing large screen televisions mm. from scratch. Uh, and they can do it today uh, cheaper than the Chinese because mm. the skilled workforce um, in, 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 in Detroit was able and willing to take much, much lower wages than was the case uh, some years ago. So if he can, if he can manage to get a lower wage uh, situation, mm. maybe with, even with his strangely isolationist approach, you can do it. But you know what? It's a very, very dangerous path on, on which he's embarking. Mm. Chelsea, your thoughts on that, on, on the fact that, uh, you know, the fact that you can't uh, wrap your head around the fact that we've lived in such a space where it's been so globalized for a long time, bilateral relationships have been created very speedily in the last 20 years especially with Africa and here you're getting a guy like Donald Trump say hey let's internalize our business methods let's start creating industry within ourselves hey let's look at China's model hey let's look at what's happening in Russia there and you're starting to see uh, kind of a reverse mentality coming from Donald Trump well, I, I agree that this is a worldwide phenomenon. I mean, there's global economic trouble, and people are, as a result, looking inward, looking for someone to blame. So rather than looking at what we can do internally, it's look at, okay, what's happening with our trading partners? What's sure. happening with immigrants who, can, who are coming in? What can we do about this? But I think in terms of the strategy, um, I mean, the U.S. is a developed economy, so I don't know if... Um, promoting industry based on low low wage labor as low wage labor as low sorry low wage labor as a national strategy is something that could work on a large level and I think that in my personal opinion the um, need to look to alternative sources such as um, retraining in um, industries with higher technology um, clean energy things like that so I guess more of Hillary's platform <laughs> to be honest in my opinion I think this would be a more progressive way to kind of deal with the changing world but I mean we'll just have to see to be honest how Trump handles it. Well I think we have a Republican in the studio today. No not a Republican a Democrat in the studio today but hey let's take a quick break. We'll wrap up our conversation after this break and uh, just to look at uh, just some of the nuances uh, of the personality of Donald Trump himself. Hey Donald 
Donald Trump is the new president of uh, the USA. He's the president-elect for now, but uh, in a few weeks he will officially be moving in uh, to the White House. What are your thoughts? What do you think this means for Africa? What does it represent for our continent? Give us your thoughts. Remember, you can also SMS us on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero. Engage with us on our Twitter handle at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Those are our Twitter handles. You can also email us at info at channelafrica.org. I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to wrap it up after this. November is Disability Month in South Africa, but should be a continental event. So let's all make a difference. Channel Africa is calling on all to join us to help needy children everywhere. South Africans are being called on to help Channel Africa help 32 children from Tumela Home for the Mentally and Physically Disabled Children in Ivory Park, east of Johannesburg. Make a difference by donating toys, non-perishable foods, disposable nappies and toiletries. Join Channel Africa on the 10th of November as we broadcast live from Tumelo House as we hand out the donations we received. Be with us as we make a difference. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Well, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This is African Dialogue. I've won a couple of bets this week, and uh, hey, I'm going to be collecting my cash very soon from different stakeholders. I did say that Donald Trump will be the new president of uh, the USA, and there it is. And uh, hey, I'm not saying I'm not worried about it, but I am saying that, hey, it has happened indeed. But let me come to you, Professor John Stremler. We're talking about the idea of globalization and creating insular domestic and environments within the business environment the approach that donald trump is taking what are your thoughts around those uh nuances there professor stremlau are you there professor are you with me i'm not sure if we I'm, still i'm still on the line but i can't hear your question and i think i may have to sign off because the connection is really bad for all right. Let, let me then just before we wrap it up, we only have a few minutes left anyway, John, uh, Professor John. Uh, let's okay. just get your final sentiments on the way forward with the USA in terms of international relations. What would we like to see? Oh, if, if it's a way forward, what I would like to see, of course, is a responsible American partner recognizing that American power is, is in decline. Um, but the challenge for Trump is to bring America together and its clear vote that you have a large segment that thinks America should be back in the 1950s. That's the predominantly white male vote that he got versus the rest of the country that voted for Hillary Clinton that is much more cosmopolitan and will have a very different agenda. And I frankly don't see an easy way for him to push that. And the Republicans have not been very bipartisan in the, under the Obama administration. So that preoccupation with domestic affairs should be watched from Africa clues as to how it might affect America's role in the world going forward. Without a consensus at home, you can rarely have an effective foreign policy abroad. That, I think, is my last point. And thank you very, very much for having me.
Thank you so much, Professor Stremler, for giving us your time there. And uh, let's come to you, uh, Christopher Gilmore, your final sentiments in terms of what would we like to see in terms of relationships with countries such as South Africa, developing countries from an economic front and the rest of sub-Saharan Africa. I'm sure we want to maintain those uh, relations in terms of the economy. Look, I think I would definitely concur with the prof, uh, because basically I think uh, we are going to see a very insular type of approach from Trump. Um, It would be nice to see, as I said a few moments ago, a situation where you have America trying to to, to restore um, its once- uh, former very, very strong ties with Africa. Uh, I mean, Barack Obama was here a couple of years ago, and he mentioned, for example, that uh, we need to get a lot more electricity supply in the continent, and the Americans sure. were very, very keen to help with that. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is critical uh, in the thing. So it's, it's not just things like a go. It's not just manufacturing. You can't actually do any of this stuff unless you have energy. So whether it's green energy with things like uh, the Inga project and the DRC or whatever, sure. you know, it would be great to see far greater American um, um, interaction here. But unfortunately, I think that's a wish that uh, may not be fulfilled in the, at least in the first four-year term of, of Mr. Trump. Mm. Chelsea, your final sentiments on, on the conversation that we're having today, uh, looking at a way forward, how do we see also the USA rescuing itself and its image uh, now that it has this president who's been seen as uh, a person who's been anti-immigrant kind of style of conversation. He's been referred to as a racist on many platforms because of how he referred to the relationship between the USA and the Mexicans. So how does America redeem itself from a diplomacy perspective? Well, I think in his acceptance speech, it was much more muted. So I can only hope that that is actually (laughs) put forward in practice. So he said things like, we'll have great relationships, we'll deal with people on common ground. So I'm hoping that he will take this more muted approach. And I definitely think in terms of some of the things he said, like, for example, he said some pretty ridiculous things like um, banning all Muslim immigrants, for example, at different points throughout his campaign. And I really don't think he's going to um, take these types of ideas forward. They won't be passed in Congress. So I really think that we will see um, there there will be stricter border control, of course. But um, I think some of the things he said won't be actually be able to be um, implemented in practice. Mm. And, and what, what, what does that relate to him doing in terms of ensuring that you know, he does have those conducive relationships? Because I'm sure everyone is waiting at bay and just considering, well, is he really playing politics or is he being sincere with the rest of the world? Well, I think in reality, as I've said, the U.S. needs the rest of the world. I mean, sure. we, can't, we can't do what he's been saying with NATO. Maybe he'll try to renegotiate things <laughs> a bit tougher. But I mean, and I think he realizes that. And so I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now in terms of foreign leaders and in the way that they're going to interact with him. And that's, of course, affected the markets. But I think there will be more isolationism. But I don't think it's going to be to the extent that, that he said in it. Yeah, so I I don't think we should be too scared in that regard. (laughs) Well, uh, you know what? Let's just wait and see what happens. I'm sure that uh, hopefully we won't be hearing sentiments that you are fired, you are fired, you are fired, (laughs) as we heard (laughs) from uh, Mr. Trump's uh, uh, television program. But uh, it's been a fantastic conversation with all of you. Thank you to Christopher.
Christopher Gilmore, an investment analyst at Absa Wealth and Investment Management. It's been great speaking to you. Thank you to Chelsea Makovic, who is joining us in our studios. She's the researcher at Economic Diplomacy Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs. And also, we had to let him go. But thank you as well to Professor John Stramler, who is joining us from Wits University at the Department of International Relations. What are your thoughts? What do you think this means for Africa? What do you think this means for world politics? Give us your thoughts via our SMSs on plus two seven seven nine six nine five seven nine three zero, or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org or tweet us at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One. Let's take a quick break and let's have a song. Let's talk by Yvonne Chaka Chaka. They say it takes a village to raise a child. Considering the circumstances, it seems the time is now. Our daughters and sisters have been left in the wild to become women in a village that didn't raise them all this time. Have you had a talk? We must talk. Yeah, let's talk. Song
Uh, let me start by talking to the sisters, hanging out with the ballers and the misters. All because you got cars and gets gifts. There is more to who you are than just this. I mean, I look at my little sister and just think. As a kid, having a kid would stress us. I advise her to live more and risk less. Keep away from being young and restless. Future queen, you're a princess. Take your time before you find a prince yet. Become a better you and not a mistress. Trust is better to be a mom and you're a missus. And to all you gentlemen out there. All you sugar daddies are my peers. Every girl's future's in our hand. Please press rewind and listen to what mom says. We must talk about it. Uh, my sister, let's talk about it. Uh, my Grisa, let's talk about it. Time up with Diza, let's talk about it. Uh, my sister, let's talk about it. Tiza, Misa, let's talk about it. Uh, please, can we talk about it? Uh, please, can we talk about it? Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. You can connect with us on Facebook at Channel Africa Radio and using our Twitter handle at Channel Africa One. Change Your Game is a program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the global entrepreneurship. Well, that takes us to 11.45 Central African time. That one was titled Let's Talk by Yvonne Chaka Chaka. Let's now get our business news from Wisani Matebula. Benjamin and good afternoon. A global miner Rio Tinto has suspended a top executive over 10.5 million US dollars in payments to a consultant on its Simando iron ore project in Guinea and has alerted US and UK authorities. A second senior executive has stepped down. Rio Tinto took the steps at a time when mining companies have come under scrutiny in corruption probes with the world's biggest miner BHP Billiton last year paying 25 million dollars to settle charges that it violated a US anti-bribery law in four failing to properly monitor its program sponsoring foreign government officials at the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Rio Tinto said it became aware in August of emails from 2011 relating to contractual payments totaling 10.5 million US dollars made to a consultant providing advisory service on the Simando project in Guinea. 
And South Africa's rail port and pipeline company, Transnet, uh, plans to spend about a billion and fifty dollars on uh, mergers and acquisitions in the rest of Africa as it embarks on a merger expansion drive against its home base. The company has given no further details or a time frame for the acquisition plan. Transnet, which has struggled with a declining commodity export volumes stemming from the slump in mineral prices, is looking to deploy its expertise in running ports, pipelines, rail and elsewhere in Africa. A South African economist warned that the future of the rent remains uncertain. This following the U.S. presidential victory by the Republican Donald Trump. Meanwhile, Asian stocks have fallen sharply. Head of NetBank Strategic Research, Mohamed Nala. It's a crowded marketplace with fierce competition, something that is shown each year at the World Travel Market in London as multiple countries and regions compete with each other for market share. But this year, South Africa has seen a remarkable increase of 11.7% of visitors from the UK, thanks in part to the strength of the pound against the rand. The South African Tourism Office in the United Kingdom says Brexit will not harm British visitor numbers to the country in the near term. Speaking at one of the world's biggest trade shows for the tourism sector, Tulen van der Nev says South Africa continues to be great value for money for UK tourists. To Zambia now, where First National Bank is set to continue providing its customers with reliable, high-speed electronic banking services thanks to a renewed contract signed this week with internet service provider Paratas Telecommunications Zambia. Under the terms of the contract, Paratas enables FNB to provide a robust electronic banking platform to its Zambian customers. Financial indicators now. The dollar is at uh, 13.35 to the South African rand. And it's weaker against Botswana, Botswana Pula at 10.30 and 9.65 against the Zambian Kwacha. Uh, international, like in European currencies, it's at uh, 0.80 to the British pound and 0.90 against the euro. Commodities, gold has rallied to $1,318, platinum $1,007 per fine ounce, Brent crude oil $44.83 per barrel. That's how it's looking right now. Well, uh, let's quickly get our sports feeling what is with us. In our sports update this hour, starting off with football news. Newly appointed Banyana Banyana interim coach Desiree Ellis has announced a squad of 21 players to represent the country at the 10th Women's Africa Cup of Nations tournament to be held in Cameroon from the 19th of November to the 3rd of December. The national team has never won the tournament before and have been runners-up four times. Ellis, who has been in the finals of this competition in 1995 and 2000 as a player, says... Every coach competes in a tournament to win. We've been runners up on four occasions. I was part of that in 1995 and 2000. And it would be remiss of me. Any coach that goes and plays a match or goes to a tournament would want to win it. It's no different. Um, we obviously are playing against other countries that have the same ambition. Uh, that is what we'd like to do. Um, we've been bridesmaids and now we want to be the bride. 
So hopefully with this fantastic group that we've chosen, we will be able to make the country proud. At the end of the day, we play for this badge, and that is what is important. Influential JVW football club midfielder Amanda Dlamini is the only notable absentee in the squad. Ellis explains Dlamini's exclusion. First of all, with regards to the international friendly, we tried getting some other countries and they were not available and we obviously needed a friendly. Um, so we're going to play Zimbabwe. Yes, I know they're in our group, but uh, it's still early days before we even hit the tournament and we will try many things in the games leading up to that. We were planning to give our secrets away, but it's also an opportunity for us to see them as well. Um, with regards to Amanda Glamini, Amanda Glamini withdrew due to uh, prior engagements that she has, and that's why she's not available. The Super Eagles of Nigeria face the Fennec Foxes of Algeria in the standout fixture of Match Day 2 in Group B of the 2018 World Cup at the Goodswill Akpabio Stadium. Nigeria haven't qualified for the next year's Africa Cup of Nations, but the Super Eagles midfielder John Ogu says that's only increased their motivation going into this match. You know, even the country, everyone is really upset about it. But I think um, Nigeria is a country where people get to forget about the past and, you know, think about the, the future. So I think um, now the World Cup qualifier is going on. We won the first game against Zambia and now this weekend we're playing against... Um, Algeria a good side. So I think all the focus now is for us to qualify to the World Cup. And I think with the present squad we have and the manager as well, I think we can you know, pull it through. Two months after not participating in the Rio Olympics, three-time New York Marathon winner Mary Keitani used the snub as motivation towards a victory. Keitani became the first woman in three decades to win the three consecutive New York Marathons with a runaway performance. She says... She's happy with the support she received from all quarters. Uh, yeah, after when I was not uh, being uh, selected, because uh, when I was in Kenya, I was a reserve, but uh, I said, okay, um, let me just prepare myself well uh, to go and defend my title well. And that's why I did it, because I had um, enough time uh, to prepare myself for this uh, TCS New York City Marathon. Um, I did it, so uh, it was lovely to me, and I appreciate uh, uh, my family for supporting me uh, during training and also having enough time uh, to recover after the training. And finally, with cricket news, Dwayne Pretorius has been knocking on the Proteus door for what seems like an eternity and is finally being heard. It has been a whirlwind couple of months for the 27-year-old all-rounder who was called up to a protest squad for the first time in September ahead of a once-off ODI against Ireland. An injury to Chris Morris then meant that Pretorius was kept on for the five-match ODI series against the Aussies, and he now has three international caps to his name in that format. Pretorius is the replacement for the injured Dale Stain, and he'll be jetting off to Hobart as soon as his visa is approved. And that's the Sport News this hour.
Well, that's how we wrap up our program. Uh, there's some views that are coming out on uh, our Twitter handle. Uh, one from Pancras Malani says, uh, when we ask the question, what does uh, uh, the real Donald Trump president mean uh, for Africa? Uh, Pancras Malani says, the mere fact that the woman lost, uh, I think it was highlighting Hillary Clinton, of course, the fact that the, that woman lost makes me happy. Whatever good Trump does will be a bonus. Those are your thoughts. Keep those conversations happening at African Dialogue and at Channel Africa One. We want to interact with you, so give us your thoughts there on what you think of this uh, presidency. But for me, Benjamin Mushatama, I need to go collect all my bets from the money that I've made uh, from uh, me predicting Donald Trump has won. And uh, yeah, still coming up, we have Africa Midday. We'll give you the latest Sports on what's happening on the continent of Africa. Another reminder, tomorrow we'll be doing an outside broadcast. We'll be going to a home to hand up some goods there and uh, trying to do our part as a radio station to make a difference in society. So join us because African Dialogue will be having an outside broadcast there. But for me, Benjamin Mushatama, until then, God bless.